John 1.14 says, The Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Our prayer is that you might see God's love and faithfulness as you listen to our Sunday morning message here at First Methodist Bryan. Scripture reading for today is going to be from 2 Samuel chapter 21, verses 1 through 9. Rick, do you want me to stop at 9 or keep going to 14? Stop. All right. Hear the word of the Lord. And now there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year, and David inquired of the Lord. The Lord said, There is blood guilt on Saul and on Saul's house, because he put the Gibeonites to death. So the king called the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now the Gibeonites were not of the people of Israel, but of the remnant, the Amorites. Although the people of Israel had sworn to spare them, Saul had tried to wipe them out in his zeal for the people of Israel and Judah. David said to the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you? How might I make expiation, that you may bless the heritage of the Lord? The Gibeonites said to him, It is not a matter of silver or gold between us and Saul or his house, neither is it for us to put anyone to death in Israel. He said, What do you say that I should do for you? And they said to the king, The man who consumed us and planned to destroy us so that we should not have any place at all in the territory of Israel, let seven of his sons be handed over to us, and we will impale them before the Lord at Gibeon on the mountain of the Lord. And the king said, I will hand them over. But the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Saul's son, Jonathan, because of the oath of the Lord that was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. The king took two of the sons of Ritzbah, daughter of Aiah, whom she bore to Saul, Amari and Mephibosheth, and the five sons of Merab, daughter of Saul, whom she bore in Adriel, son of Barzillai and Mahotholite. He gave them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they impaled them on the mountain of the Lord. The seven of them perished together. They were put to death in the first days of the harvest at the beginning of the barley harvest. The word of God for you, me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Pastor Jeremy, I'm glad you were reading those hard names and not me. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, if I were in the pews today, I'd want a pastor that had prayed about this message, had studied, was certain this was this was the message that Jesus would preach today if he were standing in this pulpit. And also want a pastor, Lord, that would be humbled to know that what he has to say is nothing, but what the Holy Spirit has to say is everything. So Lord, I pray for the Holy Spirit to speak to encourage people today, to edify people, to build up your church. Lord, take these words. Let them be yours. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Let the church say amen. Babe Ruth said, Babe Ruth was a baseball player, if you did not know. It's hard to beat a person who never gives up. Would you say that with me? It's hard to beat a person that never gives up. So on this Mother's Day, I want to tell you a Bible story about a a mom who never gave up, fighting 
for the honor of her sons. Now, I dare not ever on Mother's Day, and I don't think I ever have, try to tell a mother her job or even how to do it. I, I'm not a mom. That's a sacred duty. I'm blessed uh, to be with Karen and to have had a, a mom that made a lot of sacrifices. I have no idea what it's like. I know the times are difficult. That I know about. I can tell you about difficulties. I can tell you about difficult times as a parent. That I'm almost an expert on. It was nine years ago this past week that Karen and I celebrated a victory in court so that we would have custody of our grandson Jacob. When we moved here, we knew we would be sued for custody by the biological dad. We knew that was part of the deal we came anyway. We fought for three years, and thankfully, Karen and I prevailed in court after a two-week trial. I know about difficulties. You may never have to endure the heartache that this woman in the Bible today endured, but you do have a calling. You're called to live in honor and to live faithfully just like that woman. So that's why I'm preaching this message today, to call you to live in honor and to fight fights that are worth fighting and to never give up. We're called to do that. James tells us, this is a half-brother of Jesus, my brothers and sisters, consider it nothing but joy when you fall into all sorts of trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect effect so that you will be perfect and complete, not deficient in anything. Another version says, lacking nothing. In our scripture reading today that Pastor Jeremy read, we read about a faithful mom. Her name is Rispa. Can you say her name? Rispa. Say it again. Rispa. So who was Rispa, and what does she teach us about the importance of never, ever giving up. Well, there's a lot of stories in the Old Testament about justice delayed, justice denied, justice meted out that affects innocent people. This is one of those stories. And often throughout history, we see the sins of one generation follow upon the next generation. You've seen that in America. That's what happens to this mother. She suffers because of the sins of people before her. And she suffers a horrible, horrible loss. Her children are sacrificed to end a generational conflict. Both of her sons. All because of the choices of government leaders who broke their word and the attempt to rectify an injustice. So let me tell you the story. It begins generations even before Rispa. It begins with Joshua. Moses has died. Joshua is now the leader of the Israelites. And after 40 years wandering in the desert, it's now time for them to go in and take 
the promised land. They know they're going to have to do battle. The Lord reminds them of his miracle of parting the Red Sea by parting the Jordan River. Joshua leads Israel across the river, and they go to the city of Jericho, and the walls come tumbling down, and the Lord conquers their enemy for them. And that puts the fear of God into every tribe in the Canaan land. And they come together and they form a union so they would have a strong army to fight Israel. It's a losing battle. They're all going to lose. But one tribe, very clever, very sly, they came up with a plan. They're called the Gibeonites. Sometimes you wonder what people looked like back then. I have a picture of the Gibeonites. Would you show that for me? There they are. I'm kidding you. I'm seeing if you're paying attention. Those are Gibbons. Not to be confused with Gibeonites, ever. The Gibeonites resorted to a ruse. They sent a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn-out sacks, old wineskins, cracked and mended. They wore sandals that were old and worn out on purpose to deceive. They had bread that was old and moldy. And they went into the camp of Gilgal and they made a deal with Joshua. They said, hey, we're from way away from here. Would you make a covenant treaty with us? We've heard about you. And so they made a treaty before they sought the Lord. The Israelites did not consult with God before agreeing to this treaty. And they fell for the Gibeonites' scheme. How important is it to first seek God, His will, and His ways? Very. Because they failed to do that. Generations later, people paid the price. My friends, if you're having to make a major decision or a minor decision, seek the Lord, His will, and His ways before you ever make that decision. Can I get an amen? The Israelites soon discovered they'd been tricked, but they had to honor God because God is always faithful and they had to live according to his name and his name is faithful. So they had to be faithful to this treaty with the Gibeonites. And yet in response to the ruse of the Gibeonites, Israel made them their slaves, their indentured servants if you want to dress it up nice. But if you want to know the end of the Gibeonites, it's in Joshua chapter 9. That day, Joshua made the Gibeonites woodcutters and water carriers for the assembly. They were slaves. They provided for the needs of the altar of the Lord at the place the Lord would choose, and that is what they are to this day. In other words, the Gibeonites were slaves for generations. And the land that the Gibeonites had was given to the tribe of Benjamin. Generations, I mean hundreds of years later, King Saul breaks the treaty. How? He tries to kill every Gibeonite. I don't like to use the word holocaust, except as it applies to Jews. Because I think that's a very special situation. But the Gibeonites almost were wiped out because of King Saul. 
he tried to kill everyone and broke the treaty of Joshua. After King Saul died, King David came to the throne. A famine occurred due to a drought. And when David asked the Lord about the famine, God said, it is on account of Saul and his blood-stained house. In other words, Saul's descendants were murderers. It's because they put the Gibeonites to death. You see, God requires faithfulness. It's one of the reasons why we've had a split with our former denomination is because God requires faithfulness. King Saul broke the covenant treaty with the Gibeonites, and God did not take it lightly. God takes our promises and covenants seriously because God is holy. Let me say that again. God is holy. And because God is holy, he expects his people to live holy, and that means keeping your promises, keeping your covenants. That is a serious thing before God. King David could not have been happy to learn that the problem that he was having now with the drought where people were dying in his land from a famine was due to a former administration of King Saul. He couldn't have been happy about that. And then he, he knew that as king, he had to do what was right. He had to do what was right for his own people. He had to do what was right before God. And so he went and he asked this question, what do you want me to do for you? He asked that to the Gibeonites. What do you want me to do for you? The Gibeonites asked for seven of Saul's descendants to be executed and humiliated by not being buried but left out in an open field. In 2 Samuel 21 verse 9 says that David gave seven of Saul's descendants, two sons, five grandsons, over to the Gibeonites who killed them and exposed their bodies on a hill before the Lord. All seven killed together. They were put to death during the first days of the harvest, just as the barley was beginning to harvest. Now, this may seem unjust to you. But it seems that Saul's seven descendants who were killed were no better men than Saul himself. The fruit didn't fall far from the tree. The Bible makes it clear that even the descendants of Saul had blood on their hands for killing the Gibeonites. They're called the bloody house for it. Seven of the descendants were killed because of their own blood guilt. Not just because of Saul's. Here's what it says in the New Living Translation. The famine has come because Saul and his family are guilty of murdering the Gibeonites. So to do justice, that was the punishment. One mother lost five sons. Can you imagine? These were grandsons of Saul. Her name was Merib. She was the daughter of Saul. We don't know her response. It's not written. I'm not going to speculate, but I bet you know she was brokenhearted and probably grieved her, her way to death. Rispa's response is so famous 
It began a tradition that it still exists to this day. I'm going to tell you about it at the end of the message. Rispa responded in a way to seek honor for her sons. Even though they may have lived in dishonor, she was going to fight for them. The bodies of Rispa's sons are displayed like trophies of the Gibeonites out in this field. By the way, this was Saul's former home. You understand the irony here? You understand how the Gibeonites are poking the bear? Here's what it says. Rispa, daughter of Aiah, took sackcloth and spread it out for herself on a rock and from the beginning of the harvest till the rain poured down from the heavens on the bodies, she did not let the birds of the air touch them by day or the wild animals by night. Let me translate this and interpret it. What she did was she maintained a vigil for six months out in that field. Think about that. Six months from the beginning of the barley harvest in the spring to when it began to rain in the fall, she stood by those two bodies and she drove off all of the animals that would try to eat them. She rushed away the birds. She had no power, no power at all to stop them from taking the lives of her sons. She only had the power to stand up for them after death. She had no power to stop King David, but she did impress him. She impressed King David so much that after six months, King David's heart changed. He went and got the bones of King Saul, the bones of King Saul's son, Jonathan, David's best friend. And then he went to Gibeah, and he took up all the bones, and he buried them in a tomb together. Rispa had gotten to the heart of King David. She also got to the heart of God. She didn't give up until there was an honorable burial. It says, after that, God answered prayer in behalf of the land. It rains and the drought ends. Rispa's actions, her prayer vigil, her vigil didn't just win King David's heart, but it won God's heart because she would not give up. She was faithful. And God was pleased to answer the prayers of the people. I got good news for you today. If you've got a broken heart over something and if you're a parent, I know your kids can break your heart. Your grandkids can break your heart. I got good news today. The Bible says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Jesus saves us not just from our sins, that's the gospel, but he saves those crushed in spirit. That's the goodness of the Lord. Amen? We discovered today a mother who never gives up. And we uncovered the origins of a Jewish tradition that exists to this day. I know because I looked it up. I went to a 
a, a Jewish um, funeral home website to make sure they still do this, and they do this, this website advertised a Jewish custom that began with Rispah in which there's someone that stands with a dead body until burial. She is the foremother, Rispah is the foremother of the Jewish rite of Shemira, guarding the body and soul of the deceased and helping usher them into another state of being. Rispah is the reason why the Jewish people do this to this day and other cultures do it too. She would not give up because she fought for the honor of her sons. Church, I want to tell you that the Bible says that we're supposed to fight for the honor of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Did you know that? It says we're to guard one another's honor in this place. Here's what Paul said. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. It grieves me when I see people not honor one another in the church. I'm grieved by it. I'm thankful that you understand that we are to honor one another and build each other up. And Rispa's story ought to remind us of that. She fought for her sons when they were, when they were dead. But she fought for their honor. She fought for their legacy so that their deaths would have a purpose. That's what moms do. They fight for their children, for their honor, for their legacy. Have you ever felt like you were fighting for something that no one else saw the purpose in? I, I have. <laughs> Believe me. Have you ever fought for something that you thought nobody else is going to see the reason why? But I have to do it anyway because my faith compels me to do it. Rispa is a model for fighting for honor to enduring whatever it takes of convincing others by our example of protesting injustices of trying to stop the madness of retribution and of trying to make something good come out of something that breaks your heart i think risp proved that babe ruth was more than a good baseball player he's right when he said it's hard to beat a person who never gives up Do you have something right now that you're tempted to give up? I want you to hear from the Holy Spirit today, speak to your heart. There are times when God may say, okay, give it to me, give it up. But I tell you, most of the time, if God has called you to it, he will see you through it. You're not to give up. If you have a God-inspired dream, if you're fighting for the honor of the Lord, don't give up. Over this past year, I have fought for the honor of the Lord. That was my main goal. I have fought for the honor of the Lord because he's holy. Never, ever, ever give up. Maybe you're fighting a sickness. 
Maybe you're fighting some other battle. Maybe you're fighting to protect your family. Maybe you're, you're in a battle and you're not even sure what it's all about. I understand that. I want to he- bring you to this person today, Rispa. She fought for honor and she never gave up. We're believers. Jesus went to the cross and he never gave up. He could have. He had every reason to. But he would never, ever give up going to the cross and Jesus will never, ever give up on you. He won't give up on your children or your grandchildren. Never, ever give up. But instead, trust the Lord through whatever you have to walk through. Let's pray. Father, I... Thank you for listening with us. We hope that you have encountered the risen Jesus today. If you want to hear more, please consider subscribing. We would also welcome you to join us in person. For more information, please visit us at fmcbryan.org.